Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. We're talking today, drumroll please, about what else Russia and America has been making headlines now for weeks after the extraordinary meeting between Trump and Putin, which was heavily criticised and highly dubious. And, Keith, it's been, you know, ongoing since then. Absolutely. I think that you could say that President Trump has had the the worst few weeks of his administration, which has been quite a turbulent one and a half years, and we've still got another two and a half years to go. But you'd have to say that... Um, he started the trip to Europe, so he, he starts by insulting his NATO allies. Then he goes on to the United Kingdom, a NATO ally, and insults the Prime Minister by endorsing her main rival. And then, he, so having offended the traditional allies, he then goes to have a meeting with the traditional enemy, Putin, and it turns out to be, from his point of view, the friendliest meeting. And he actually predicted before he left the United States that his meeting with Putin would be the smoothest of all the meetings he was expecting to have, and that's how it's turned out. Since returning home, he's been deluged with criticism. I mean, amongst even some of his own Republican colleagues, it's the first time in recent history that we've had an American president having a long private meeting with a Russian leader. So American presidents and Russian leaders have been meeting since World War II, but they've always had their technical advisers with them. And there was no technical advisor at the meeting, no Secretary of State, for example. And also there was no preliminary work done by what are called the Sherpas. In other words, the, the experts who will meet with the experts on the other side and put together a draft communique. They would do all of the work. Um, whereas the, the, and this time there was none. There was no agenda, no minutes of the meeting, as far as we can tell. We don't know what was agreed to after two and a half hours conversation. So this has led to all sorts of concerns that Trump is going soft on Russia. He, by the looks of it, did not criticise Russia for the behaviour in the Ukraine, which is why Russia is subject to international sanctions. Um, and, of course, in July 2014, you had the uh, shooting down of the Malaysian flight, MH17, which cost some Australian lives. You had the alleged Russian involvement in the 2016 presidential election. Again, not by the looks of it, not raised. So it was a bizarre time, and there's been this huge blowback, which we've seen most recently, in the fact that Trump said, well, I'm now going to invite Putin to the United States, a reciprocal visit, and uh, it's now been decided that that cannot take place until we've had the um, report of the official investigation. It's just, even Trump is realised that he's made mistakes. So and let's backtrack just a little bit here for those who did miss the whole Trump-Putin thing. So at uh, the aftermath of the chat between the two of them, Trump then said publicly to the world, oh, I don't think Russia got involved with our election. This flew in the face of all the intelligence reports, the FBI, CIA, like all of them who yep. know 100% who have now indicted 12 Russians yeah. to face charges on these accounts. Everyone knows that this is the truth. However, then he went and said it's not what happened. It's the first time we've had an American president disavowing his own intelligence community. And for the Russians who are dubious <laughs> by nature. Exactly. And so then he went back to America and he tried to backpack, backtrack on that and said, yeah. oh, no, no, no. First of all, he went on Fox News and reiterated what he said in Russia. And then obviously people got in his ear and he realised that, that yep. there was a backlash from Republicans as well. Yeah. And he tried to take it back and said, oh, no, 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 no. The wording was wrong. Yeah. 
And they've now also issued an edited version of the media conference, but we've all got the original version anyway. Mm. So even that has failed. So there's this big discussion now about what is the leverage or leverage that Putin has over Trump. And I think there are two theories. One is financial and the second relates to blackmail. So in regard to financial, we know that Trump... Uh, towards the end of his business career, was unable to borrow any more money from American sources. And so he had to borrow money through Deutsche Bank and it came out of Russia. So in a sense, what what Trump was doing was meeting his banker. Of course you want to have a private meeting. When you have your meeting with your bank and discuss mortgages, don't you have it in private? And that, in a sense, it may well be the reason for the private meeting, or it just doesn't make sense otherwise. But we, we, and remember, Trump has not published his financial affairs, you know, his income tax returns. Every American president since Richard Nixon, so we're talking about 40 odd years ago, every president, actually closer now to 50, um, every American president has published their financial affairs. Um, in the case of President Carter, he actually sold his peanut farm. Uh, to show that I'm not going to be influenced by my previous financial affairs. Trump refuses to publish detailed financial reports. And secondly, of course, he he has not sold his own business interests and indeed is using his time in the presidency to promote those interests. So one theory is that Putin has control over Trump uh, because of the, the financial leverage that the the Russian finance industry has over it. Um, And it may also include elements of the Russian mafia, etc., which takes me into my second batch of explanations, which is that there is some sort of um, blackmail that's going on. Now, there's been some very colourful accusations made about Trump and women um, in Moscow hotel rooms and sexual activities. The urination story, for those that are familiar, <laughs> he was apparently in a hotel room and got urinated on by a bunch of hookers. Is uh, that the that, story, That's right? the story, and it was the the state bedroom that Obama had used. So that 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 is part that's part of the colourful aspect of all this. But don't forget that the Americans and Russians have an extensive network of spy satellites. So the Russians would have been monitoring Trump for years prior to his going to Moscow. So it's not just having blackmail material relating to his sex life for what he may have been doing in Russia, but relates to all these other women that we now know that he's had. So this takes us then into the second element, which are all these uh, suggestions about uh, sexual infidelity, etc. Um, and linked to that, of course, is um, the link maybe with the Russian mafia um, or the homegrown mafia. The, because he's a New York business person in the, con- in the construction business, a lot of mafia involvement in that. Same with casino industries. So two points I'd like to make and just ask your opinion on. Um, Putin says that, oh, no, we weren't monitoring Trump because he was a nobody uh, for the last few years. That's what his answer to it was. Why he wasn't on our um, radar? Why would he have been on our radar? If you go to Russia, as I have, right, I've been travelling there, I was there during the, the Cold War years as well, you are spied upon automatically. The mere fact that you are a, a Westerner or whatever, a foreigner, means that they are monitoring you. And Trump was high profile mm. even several years ago. And 30 so, years ago, yeah, even. So the, the, the Russians would have been maintaining a dossier on him. Okay, maybe that nothing was going to come of that. 
But as it turned out, of course, having that dossier was very useful. And, of course, on the subject of dossiers and your interest in uh, in women and uh, what was going on, I might just say that the what's called the Steele dossier is available on the internet. And this, what is interesting is that Steele talks about a number of people who are now getting mentioned because of the investigations that have come on. In other words, the Russians were developing ties with Trump's campaign really back in 2016, 2015, after Trump had announced that he was going to have another crack at the presidency. And so it's very interesting to read the the report, just under 40 pages. As I say, it's now available on the internet. You can download it. And look at the names that get mentioned, like Glenn Page, Paul Manafort, these are all mentioned in this report well before they became household names in the United States with the inquiries that are going on at the moment. So it's also in that dossier. So there's, there is a, there's a, what the media would say was a lot of a backstory on all of this, that Trump didn't just fall out of the sky and end up appearing on the, on the Russian radar. He's had deep links and his own son or son-in-law have, have said, We'd, we raised a lot of money from Russian banks. They were saying that years ago. So if if he is beholden to Putin and the Russians, surely there is evidence of that somewhere. Surely they're trying to communicate with him somehow. Surely there are payments going out to to meet their deadlines to repay the money to Russia. How is someone just is someone collating all this? Are they on it? Is someone just waiting for the the I got gotcha moment? Oh, I'm sure they are. Absolutely. So the not, as I say. The Russians have got spy agencies and so have the Americans. The National Security Agency have got all of Trump's emails and telephone calls. They get recorded as a matter of just automatic behaviour. Uh, they deny doing it, but in fact they, they have been doing it for several years to every American in the same way that our own telephone conversations get recorded as well. So don't think being an Australian you're safe or using a mobile phone that you're safe. And this, I think, helps explain the leverage that the deep state, as Trump calls it, and I'm happy to use that expression because I agree with it, the deep state are the intelligence agencies, the finance sector, um, military perhaps, depending on which country you're in. But every country has what the British call an establishment, and that is immortalised in that wonderful program, Yes Minister. So if you remember, it is Sir Humphrey, the head civil servant, who has the influence over the minister. At the end of the day, it is the civil servant who always wins. They have the files. They have the leverage. Politicians come and go. They're no more permanent than the perfume on a silk handkerchief, whereas the establishment stays there. And it is interesting how Trump has had to back down in terms of inviting Putin to visit America, and I think that is the involvement of the deep state. The people have just suddenly said, the adults around him, including the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, have simply said, be very careful, otherwise your private affairs will start to appear in the, either the New York Times or the Washington Post. They're the two newspapers with the close links to the deep state. And so you will learn a lot more about these transactions that you want to find out about. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suda. We're talking about Trump 
Putin. It has dominated headlines for the last couple of weeks, rightly so. It's fascinating in itself. We've just been talking about how Trump is beholden to Russia and how his company borrowed all this money from them um, probably, God, years ago, would it have been, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, been, been running on for several years, yeah. When, when the American banks had... Um, had finished, they had no more money to give and so they went offshore to Russia and so that's what it is speculated that that's what Putin holds over Trump. But um, now we're talking about deep state. At some point though, I mean this is a major conflict of interest, it will have to come to light, Keith. And this is what's now beginning to happen. So if you go back to the election that took place, Trump, Trump secured a magnificent victory. One of the most stunning victories, I actually go all the way back to Harry Truman, um, who's very famous. This was a president in the late 1940s actually holding up a newspaper announcing that his opponent, Dewey, had won the election. So a first edition of of a newspaper. Mm. And, of course, he went on to win that election. And I think we're in the same boat with Trump. It was a magnificent victory, not so much due to Trump, but the brains that came on board um, through some of the backers that he acquired. So in 2016, uh, by the time he secured the nomination in July, August, all the Republicans have just disowned Trump. The, the, you know, there's a general feeling in the Republican Party we're finished for the next four years. And in that moment of desperation, Rebecca Mercer, who's the daughter of uh, Robert Mercer, who is a financial genius, he's a brilliant person in information technology. So he's not a finance person, but he is a genius at IT. And... Um, he, if he were at a dinner party, for example, spends an entire evening without speaking. Soaks it all up, though, listening soaking, to everything. Soaking it all up. So this guy is richer than Warren Buffett. So he's, he's turned out to have a better uh, investment record than Warren Buffett. So heaps of money and very, very, very conservative. Rebecca, the daughter, is the first lady of the Tea Party movement. So the Tea Party movement is this breakaway renegade movement that's basically taken over the Republican Party. She went to um, Trump in his hour of need. So, sure, he'd beaten all the other 17 challengers throughout that year. He was the last person standing. And she said, "Um, my father can provide you with finance we will supply you with your team, which includes, of course, Steve Bannon, whom I regard as a genius. I don't necessarily agree, don't agree with his views, no. but he could fashion a message that Trump used to win the election in November, appealing to the sense of victimhood and marginalisation of traditional Democrat voters who Mrs Clinton ignored. Um, and it was a brilliant message. And so... Trump then comes into power with the support of these people. Um, the um, mainstream media and Mrs Clinton could not believe it. There must be all sorts of other reasons uh, why Trump won. And then immediately they started saying, well, it's because of WikiLeaks. Um, certain documents were released to WikiLeaks, which caused problems for the, the Democrat campaign. Um, I, I, don't, uh, I don't believe that that leakage would have affected the voters. Uh, but anyway, that's the story. There's a Russian involvement in all of this. So this is what has led to the appointment of the former director of FBI, Robert Mueller, coming out of retirement and has been asked as a special investigator to find out about the alleged Russian involvement. 
in the 2016 election. So that's a very narrow mandate. Mm. Special investigator, he has the deepest pockets in the world, namely the American taxpayer, and he will destroy people. And that's exactly what he's done. So a number of Trump advisers, remember these are the names that appear in the dossier to which I referred earlier, a number of those people have been interviewed by Mueller and a number of them are, in the Australian language, rolling over. They are agreeing to cooperate with Mueller. And one of those people, by the way, and if people have said a lot of headlines lately, is uh, Cohen. Well, that's a separate, no, no, that's a separate story. Oh, no, it gets even more confusing. Let's just deal with one. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, exactly. I no. thought he was Russia as well, though, Cohen. He's we'll getting come to me, yeah, let me come to that. Okay, yeah, okay. So let's deal with Mueller. So Mueller has been given a very specific mandate to find out about the Russian involvement. So he has indicted um, at the moment about 35 people. Um, now, some of them are the Russians who are already back in Russia. They will not stand trial in the United States. There's no extradition arrangement between Russia and the United States. But he has identified those people. What he can do, by the way, is to put out a global arrest warrant through Interpol, which means that those people cannot legally or cannot safely travel outside Russia mm. because they will be apprehended if they go into Western Europe, which is covered by Interpol. So that is one investigation. That will roll on possibly for years. It is that investigation as it is continuing at the moment, which has meant that Putin cannot visit the United States until the investigation is finished. Now, Trump is hoping it'll be all uh, finished by early next year. Um, but we, we just don't know that for sure. If you look at White Watergate, you know, the Clinton business, um, or Watergate itself, going back to the mid-70s, they lasted for a couple of years. Mm. Um, but that's one investigation, right? So already some people have been financially destroyed because you're competing against Robert Mueller and his unlimited pockets in terms of legal fees, like General Flynn, he's been destroyed by this. Um, so that's one strand of the investigations, right? So that's one thing. That, that, so that's Robert Mueller's investigation. Now we're on to the other one, which has attracted a lot of attention, which is Mike, uh, Michael Cohen. So Michael Cohen, until recently, was Donald Trump's lawyer <coughs> and fixer. So his job was to deal with all sorts of difficult cases. Now, Michael Cohen is the subject of an inquiry by the Southern District of New York. Mueller is a separate investigation, right? So we're now dealing with electoral laws. Now, what has come to light is that certain payments were made to adult film stars. Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels is one. Then we've got, most recently, we've got Karen McDougal. Payments have been made to these women uh, relating to affairs that went on perhaps a decade earlier Right, but they threatened, by the looks of it, to generate media p coverage just prior to the presidential election, and so Cohen, Trump's lawyer at the time, negotiated payments to these people. Now, there's there's nothing wrong with paying an adult film star money, right, to keep her quiet. You mm. can do that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe immoral. Oh, yeah, but you know, it's the way legal. life goes on. It's legal. What is not legal? is that you make the payment during an election campaign and you do not declare it as an election expense. Now, we know from other investigations, and remember two-thirds of the world's lawyers live in the United States, <laughs> that you end up 
with people being caught out, not on substantive items, but procedural items. So going back to the separate Mueller inquiry, a lot of those matters that he's actually indicting people on are on technicalities, lying to the FBI, rather than whatever the offence was. You know, it wasn't so much murder. Not that I'm suggesting it was a murder. That's a substantive matter. But it's a procedural matter, lying to the FBI. Now, Michael Cohen has now been uh, sacked by Trump. Trump is now um, uh, in a a difficult position because Cohen has been warning him now for a few weeks, I want you to give me a presidential pardon. Trump can do that, right? In other words, just it'll simply say to the uh, prosecutor of the Southern District, New York, don't bother with your investigation because as soon as he's charged, I'm going to pardon him. So you're wasting your time. But Trump has not done that. And so Cohen, to force Trump into this, is now releasing tape recordings of conversations between Trump and Cohen. As a warning shot. As a warning shot. You know, uh, some have already been handed over. Now, what is interesting is some of them are also going across to Mueller because, of course, Michael Cohen does appear in this previous dossier, to which I've referred, relating to visiting Eastern Europe during the negotiations with the Russians. So once the authorities found out or the public has found out that he's got all these tapes, we don't know how many he's got of Trump, no, do we? No, we don't. And and he obviously had no trust in Trump, which is why he tape-recorded the conversations. Very interesting. Because he would have seen how Trump has behaved over all these years. So that's, that's a second set of inquiries. So you've got Mueller as special investigator... Second is uh, a New York state election law matter. There's a third one that's now just cropped up, which is um, a young, attractive woman called Maria Butina, um, who has just been um, arrested as an unregistered lobbyist. Remember, that's the technicality that they've got her on and they've got her behind bars, right? She's under arrest. So she's an attractive woman. She's a Russian gun activist who's been working her way or sleeping her way through the National Rifle Association to build up links between Russian and American politicians. She should have... Now, it's, there's nothing wrong with sleeping with members of the NR, National Rifle Association or with American politicians. It's all perfectly legal. But if you're going to do that, you've got to be registered as a lobbyist for a foreign government, and that's what she failed to do. So, again, they've caught her on a technicality. But she's probably dodgy as all hell, really. Dodgy, and who knows what she's <laughs> going to say when, when they, you know, the, the charges go ahead. So you've, you've really now got um, a series of investigations underway, just simply the tip of the iceberg. Who knows, ultimately, what this is going to be revealed. What I find intriguing is that Trump is, is busy taking on North Korea. He's taking on Iran. So a whole new crisis has just flared up over Iran. He's got other issues around the world. He's got domestic issues with the economy uh, to sort out. And, and at the same time, he's dealing with all of these scandals very close to home. I, during going back to the original Watergate inquiry, I was in Vietnam during that time. And I can tell you that there are a lot of people who are very worried that their commander-in-chief, Richard Nixon, was getting his time bogged down more and more on Watergate matters rather than trying to win a war in Vietnam. 
you know, you've only got 24 hours in the day. And even if Trump lives an irregular life on hamburgers, mm. nonetheless, there's still only 24 hours in the day in which he can operate. So he's got all these world problems. He's got his domestic problems. And he's also got these other legal issues relating to his financial affairs, his sexual affairs, and his the behaviour of his colleagues. This is, you know, the guy has got a, must have immense amount of energy to cope with all of these court cases. Oh, my gosh. The plot thickens. Absolutely. So much more to talk about next week, Keith. <laughs> Absolutely. Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Liv Proud. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.